Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of said Catholic Cafe, uh, sitting here with Sam Ziggy Rodriguez. I am here. I know you are. Uh, and of course, the space to my left, to your right, is empty still. The only let's have fifty percent capacity at the Catholic Cafe. That's right. And Tom is like he's like one hundred and twenty percent of the capacity. <laughs> he's a big tall well, guy. Well, it's the beauty of his hair as, as well. Uh, just You're it right. fills any room. It, <laughs> And you know what? It also fills our hearts. So you're saying these things because he's not here. (laughs) You can poke the bear when he's not present. He did play football for D1. That's exactly right. And so you don't want to poke the bear. No. Don't poke the offensive lineman. Uh, So, so Sam, uh, we're we're going to talk about an interesting topic today. And uh, that topic, uh, you know, I think we see it in... The news, in social media, we see it all over the place, and it's on people's minds and hearts right now. And and uh, so, let me ask you this: If uh, I know a lot of people are starting to go back to mass mm-hmm. more now, some still haven't, and I certainly respect that. You know, make our decisions about whether you know what's best for our own health, et cetera, et cetera. Most bishops have given dispensations mm-hmm. from the obligation to res- uh, go to mass uh, at least until a certain period of time. I think in our diocese, it's the end of June. Yes. Um, so here's the thing. Um, there's a lot of folks really upset because either bishops are mandating or centers for disease control are putting out guidelines that affect religious practice in a profound way. So specifically Catholics like, you know, you must receive communion in the hand or right. you must wear a mask. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you, Sam, a question, put you on the spot. Oh, fun. If your bishop, and I know him. Yes. Said, Sam, you must wear a mask mm-hmm. at Mass or you will not be admitted. Now, yeah. our, in all fairness, I want to be honest and be true and, and tell the truth. Our bishop has not said this. Right. But I'm just saying if, let's say a fictional bishop. Yeah. In a fictional diocese. Yeah. And you are a loyal son of the church, right. Sam. Um, That's, okay. Right, so you are in uh, the Diocese of Mordor. Okay. Or, <laughs> you know, somewhere in Mordor. Halfway through the ring. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, well, it's, a, it's a burgeoning place now. You know, it's all, now that, what is it, Sar- what is the guy's name? Sauron. Yeah. That well, he's, he's sorry for everything. Yeah. So. So, so in this diocese, uh, you know, there in Mordor, the Diocese of Mordor, maybe it's an archdiocese, it, uh, they have mandated communion in the hand. Yeah. Now, social media... You know, because you have, you have all these displaced orcs and whatnot, <laughs> right? And, and, and social media is going nuts. Right. How dare he? He can't tell me to do that. Right. And so then you start having uh, priests, theologians, just ordinary lay folk who, yeah. are, who are interested. Also, you have constitutionalists. Yep. People who understand what country they're in, you know, what Middle Earth is like and what the Constitution says you're allowed to do, freedom to assemble or whatever, how you practice your religion, etc. And so everyone starts chiming in. Right. And then you have these canon lawyers who start posting things, that, that, that tantalizing questions. Can a bishop mandate communion in the hand? Right. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm picking on that particular one or, or on masks because that seems to rile a lot of folk up. Oh, sure. Like a lot of people. So your bishop has mandated that. 
Sam, uh, you're the, the Bishop of Mordor. Yes. So, do you do it or do you not do it? Well, you I, only got ten seconds. Well, and, Nine. Speak, <laughs> <laughs> well, and speaking as a person, full, full disclosure, who prefers communion on the tongue, and if I'm in a place that has a communion rail, which is not as common as it used to be, right? Um, where the priest uses the communion rail, I love kneeling in a communion rail and receiving uh, communion on the tongue. That's my preferred way. When there's not a communion rail, unless I'm with a group of people who all like to kneel. You know, right. I, I tend to feel a little bit more self-conscious and prefer to just kind of stand and take it on the, and receive it on the tongue. But um, I have a very strong so preference. So that's your, that's your preference. And a strong preference. Strong preference. Yeah. Very strong preference. I, I don't, just full disclosure, I don't feel comfortable when I receive it in the hand, especially if it's a broken uh, piece of the Eucharist because right. of the danger of a crumb uh, and not knowing and what I've to do with it. And I've seen your hands, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You, you obviously have a side career, like in auto mechanics. <laughs> exactly. Um, but although they, they always seem so much cleaner when I walk out of confession. No, <laughs> but no, I and so I have that strong preference. And yet, um, yeah, there in our diocese, for example, there's not a, a an order to do anything, but there are guidelines and recommendations. Right. And and and, and our bishop, Bishop uh, David Talley said it beautifully he basically used words like gentleness and respect yeah right and 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 he wishes that people would do it this way and and i have abided by that specifically because um my bishop has expressed that preference right and i so i'm setting aside my own strong preference right uh and I don't like it, but I will tell you. So this. that was way longer than ten seconds. Oh no! Let's be clear. It was way longer than ten <laughs> seconds because I, I think it takes less than ten, ten seconds for some people to violently oppose. Right, and, and, and if you if you look at the you, again, you look on Facebook, you look on Twitter, yeah, and the Twitterverse is just going nuts over, you know, and then you get all these uh, well known sources, right, and they're making these diatribes like this is the end of the Catholic Church as we know it. Right. If we succumb to this horrific practice, and and I guess what what we need to talk about here, and what are you basing your following respectfully the wishes of your bishop on? The fact that I believe that any one of us can only have incom- incomplete knowledge, including even our, our our leadership and our clergy and our bishops, and yet God has instituted a hierarchy. God has instituted authorities. And has and you know we are entrusted to their care, and that God will bless our obedience if we choose freely choose obe- to obey uh, the authorities that have been placed over us. Um, and so that's for me. It's it's just a, it's me trusting that God will bless the obedience. So this is like this is where I love it's it's like Ephesians five uh, talking about submission. Yes, and a lot of people see that in the marriage context because that's one of the marriage readings and. But essentially, um, it's the husband and the wife submitting to each other. Mm. Uh, and, and I love the idea of the word submission, to be under the same mission. Mm. And so if you think in terms of like who the bishop is, right, and, and the Holy Spirit was involved in some form or fashion, right, right. of him being there, that, that, that he's, he's on a mission. Yes. As the Blues Brothers said, I'm on a mission from God, you know? <laughs> He he's here on a mission, and and we need to be under that mission. Yes. And what you're saying is, for yourself, you see some um, potential blessing from God in you, sort of humbling yourself. Yeah, I think obedience is a virtue. I think that sometimes 
if we set aside, even even if we're absolutely convinced, I get it in a way that other people don't, including those above me. Even if we have that and saying, but you know what? I'm going to set aside that conviction uh, in this instance. Well, think about that for a second. What Now, what if you're right? And what if you know you're right? Sam? Right, right. See, this is where it gets to be a challenge. And I think some people, they struggle with the obedience part because they know they're right. And, and again, I, I'm, I'm not falling down on a side one way or the other. Um, I Like you, I have a strong preference for receiving uh, the Eucharist. On the t- well, that's, that's how I've taught all the kids. Yeah. So I've got nine kids and all of them, I taught them that way. My wife and I did, Bess and I did. Um, and, and I think that's beautiful. And it's very uh, reverent, respectful. And it, there's a sense of awesomeness, and there's a sense of, of wonder, and a sense of the sacred. And that's what I feel, right? But at the same time, you know, what I recognize is we're wading into dangerous waters when we are more right than this or that. Because I don't right. disagree with, with Bishop Talley or with any bishop that's saying, um, I strongly recommend that we do this. You know, and it's with gentleness and and respect that we that we implement this this idea and this concept, which I think is beautiful. Um, but at the same time, I I like you have no problem saying, you know what, I, I I might think a certain thing, but the reality is, I'm gonna go ahead and say no. It's not even for me to reason why. So discernment is never between an evil thing and a good thing. It's between two good things, right? Two, two at least acceptable things. And well, I know a guy once though, that he was, no, was like, but anyway, I but, get it. <laughs> yes. Yes. But, and, and, and so as a result, like you don't exercise discernment as to whether or not to commit a sin, you know, yeah. you're exercising discernment in terms of choosing between two valid positions. Right. Right. And so even if I'm no, I'm right. As you said, right. Um, I also have a knowledge that obedience is also right. So what's the greater right? Yeah, that's great. No, no, that, that is a great, that's a great point. Because essentially, um, one is all about you, and the other is all about, essentially, the other. Right. Right? And so your humility, that's why I say it takes humility to say, I, I, if it was up to me, I'd do it differently. Right? If you believe that to, you, to the core of your very being, I think God rewards the person that who's who's got a humble heart, right? And his obedience, maybe even to a fault, but his obedience, I, I can't see God going how in at judgment, you know, how 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 come you didn't stand up for the right way to receive Holy Communion? Right. How come you didn't stand up and, and deny that horrible mask? Well here's the thing. If somebody feels strongly about something, they could do it in protest. They could say, I'm gonna obey my bishop, you know, here in the Archdiocese of Mordor, right? <laughs> um, but um, I believe that communion on the tongue is right. I have serious issues with communion on the hand, but I also believe that God instituted these authorities uh, over me, and I'm going to choose obedience. So, it, right. you know, you, it can be a both-and situation. But, I mean, what I'm thinking in terms of, like, scriptural sources, other than, of course, you know, the fact that God is responsible for placing the those over us in authority, not just 
in church situations, but also in secular situations that God, you know, the scripture asks us to have obedience evil to even to civil authorities. And yeah. I think that there's, you know, and so I think it's heightened when we're talking about ecclesiastical authorities. But then in addition to that, look at Philippians 2, when Jesus, who did not requ- regard equality with God as something to be grasped, he emptied himself, he took on the form of a slave, and it said that um, that he was obedient Unto death, even death on a cross. Obedient is why he was exalted. Because of his humility, his obedience and his humility go hand in hand. He was greatly exalted. And and, and at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bend. Um, or another example is Isaac and Abraham. Imagine if you're Isaac, the extreme docility of heart and obedience that he had laying upon the altar before his father who had a knife in his hand, yeah. trusting yeah. both Abraham and Almighty God. So there's, I think there's really truly countless examples I would, of obedience. I would imagine that in that, exact, in that example <laughs> right there, that Abraham knew the better path. I mean, he knew God was wrong. Yeah. And, he, and he knew that his son needed to live. Right. I mean, that's, that's in every core of our being, right? Yes. I, I shouldn't murder my son. But the, the obedience is what was demonstrated, which ultimately ended in stop, Abraham, is just jacking. Yes. <laughs> you know? And you passed. But they were both below that same mission, both Isaac and yeah. Abraham. Amen. No, you're exactly right. And so, that, so that, that's a it's, a, it's still a big challenge for a lot of folks. And we got more to talk about this. I want to know where that obedience, that concept of yours uh, came from. Sure. Uh, I know it's different for every person. But uh, we're going to talk more about uh, obedience, um, especially in these uh, more difficult times at, at church right now. Um, but before we, uh, we're going to take a break. And before we do that, I want to remind folks at home, we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. And like us on Facebook, on Instagram, and Twitter. Like and share our posts and comment on them. It makes a difference. And send me an email if you got any kind of things you want to chat about. Uh, Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. When you think of saints, you often think of saintly qualities like patience, love, humility, and generosity. Not so with St. Jerome, a priest and doctor of the church born in the mid-4th century. On more than a few occasions, St. Jerome stood outside the church doors doing penance for his bad temper. While this was true, more than anything he was a staunch defender of the truth and an ardent lover of the Word of God. He felt that anyone who taught error was an enemy of God to be defeated with the swift and sure strokes of his powerful pen. St. Jerome was a scholar of great wisdom and understanding. He was a master of Latin, Greek, and Hebrew, and he spent many years in study in the celebrated centers of scholarship like Rome and Alexandria. He was a great student of sacred learning because he realized its vital role in obtaining the beatific vision. He once said, Let us learn upon earth those things which can call us to heaven. Sometimes feared for his veracity, but always known to be a genuine man of God, St. Jerome was respected by his peers. St. Augustine said of him, What Jerome does not know, no mortal man has ever known. He was very prolific in his writings. Above all, his scriptural writings have been without equal in the history of the church. 
St. Jerome is most remembered for his translation of the Bible into the common or vulgar language of the people, making it more accessible to the common people. Called the Vulgate, his vigilant and meticulous translation was very popular and became the standard version of the Bible for over a thousand years. Many who question the authority of the Church like to point to the fact that St. Jerome openly opposed the inclusion of the seven deuterocanonical books in the official canon of the Bible. While this is true, as he rarely held his opinions to himself, few people realize that ultimately St. Jerome recognized, upheld, and defended the authority of Holy Mother Church in defining the canon, and placed the books in their rightful place in the Bible. In 402 AD, St. Jerome wrote regarding this issue, What sin have I committed if I follow the judgment of the churches? At the end of his life, St. Jerome finally settled in Bethlehem, where he lived in a cave believed to be the birthplace of Jesus. He died there in 420 AD. His feast day is September 30th. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting here with Sam Ziggy Rodriguez, uh, and I, I made Sam show up today. I forced him. I said, Sam, you will show up today. And Sam, God love him, he was obedient. Yeah, I was rescuing kittens from a burning building. But and I said, you, I, you I need let them you. to burn. Yeah, you need to bring the <laughs> You're on for the snacks. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, so we're talking about obedience, uh, and uh, and that was just a joke. Sam really likes being here, so I do. I love being no one here. like no one lets him talk but me, and so <laughs> this is his outlet. So that's good. His therapist said that would be good for you to have this kind of outlet. So yes, that's right. That's very good. So uh, so we're talking about obedience and and just really uh, how to how to be humble in in a in a in dangerous times. Yes. There's some gen, genuine health concerns, but there's also genuine, um, you know, uh, stability, recognition of hierarchy uh, times. You know, it's dangerous when all of a sudden people um, decide that they're not going to do what the leader of their church says. Right. Right. And so, I mean, I think we had one of those about 500 years ago, and it led to a lot of disarray. Oh, yeah. You know, there, was, so there were some issues there. Uh, and, and you know what? There were good points on either side. In yeah. all fairness, yeah, and it didn't end well, and so yeah. I, I guess I'm not saying that uh, it led to some great rock concerts. Yeah, exactly. I would agree. <laughs> um, uh, I just had pit rocks, but uh, but I think that uh, uh, not that I'm not, and I'm not saying that this is going to lead to some kind of great schism. No. I just I it just it's just it can be problems. I mean, because I the, Jesus wants unity, right? And and where you found this sense of uh, obedience, that, that's where I, I kind of wanted to go here for a second. Before I did that, I will just mention that uh, my lovely wife, Bess, you just heard her do a little thing on St. Jerome. And it's interesting that St. Jerome actually did not want the Deuterocanonicals in his Bible. Oh, wow. So when he translated the Latin Vulgate, he didn't want them. He thought they were just a little suspect, mm. right? And he wasn't sure they needed to be in there. Mm. Um, and that was his opinion, and he was a very learned man, and he was also a little cocky. I mean, oh yeah, he, he spent a lot of times, uh, a lot of time walking around the uh, 
the palace grounds or the convent, wherever the heck he was, monastery, he was walking around because he was basically on, uh, having a penance of walk for three days around this place because I'm tired of you running your mouth. You oh, know? and if he had words for you, like look at uh, his uh, his argument with Helvidius on the perpetual virginity of Mary. He had some words for Helvidius. I think ignorant boar was one of the first things yeah, that he said. Yeah. <laughs> so so there, there, the, the guy had some stuff going on, you know, but he didn't want those seven deuticanonicals. And yet... They're in his Latin Vulgate. Mm-hmm. And he actually wrote a letter saying, why, why would you criticize me for being obedient to my superiors, to, to Mother Church who says these, these are in here? And so he acquiesced. He gave in. You know, and it was, I mean, he struggled with humility. Right. And, and he gave in because of, of his obedience to the church. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's a, it's a beautiful, uh, it stems directly from that virtue of humility. So for yourself... I mean, what in history make, made you suddenly have this idea, or where do you get this idea about it pleasing God to be uh, to be obedient? Well, is it actually it was an important crossroads in my life. I had back in uh, gosh, this was 2013. I was on a path, and it had been a couple of years leading up to this moment in my discerning a vocation potentially to the priesthood and to religious life. And at that point, I really thought I was called to be a Dominican in the southern province of Dominicans. And I had really taken real steps towards that. I had the the application on my desk, you know, which frankly is a big step for someone who hasn't gone through there. You have to get approved to apply. The thing that interfered with my ability to go was student loan debt. Right. But there was this guy who said, I'll cover your cost of your student loans. Wow. And that was what allowed me to move forward and have that application on my desk. Well, as we got deeper into it, it became clear that the guy was just saying that, that he had no real intention of covering the cost of my student loans. And in fact, I caught him in a couple of lies. Oh, so this obviously was something that was not... uh I imagine that tore you up. It tore me up big time because that man offering to take care of my loans was a big was a big confirmation for me in, in terms of entering the religious order. And so I hit a point where I thought I was so sure that was from God, right? And it wasn't. And so, do I even have a relationship with God? How do I know if I do if I can't hear Him? And and so I was in an, an extreme identity crisis, uh, basically in terms of my identity in Christ. And I couldn't, I lost the ability to pray. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know whether I was even saying anything meaningfully to God because I didn't know if I could even hear anything meaningfully from God. But there was one prayer, only one prayer that made sense to me. And it was, had been given to me on a, on a little prayer card. And it was my Lord God. I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope to have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me down the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Wow. Now, where did that come from? Uh, that was a prayer that was written in 1956 by Thomas Merton. Now, Thomas Merton, I mean, the Seven Story Mountain and some of these great works that he did, Thomas Merton kind of veered on the path a little bit, and I think we're all aware of that. Yeah. But this was, this, this was in his heyday here. This was in his heyday. This was in his heyday. <laughs> yeah, but, but even, the, even, even I mean, this, that, that, those are, there's some profound wisdom there. There is, but the thing that was really powerful about that, po- about that prayer 
that one line, I know that the desire to please you does in fact please you. That was the thing that was speaking to me and really made me feel connected to God. And I thought, okay, what is it that pleases God? The desire to please you does in fact please you. And I realized obedience. So I decided, because I had a spiritual director, and I still do, same one, I said, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to lay this all out to my spiritual director, make an appointment with my spiritual director, and I'm just going to pray for him, for God to work through him. And I am going to pray that God just give me the grace to just, whatever he says, I'm just going to follow it to the T, just for the sake of obedience. Because even if he's wrong, God will bless my obedience. God will bless me for at least just following the advice of my spiritual director. Now that's great. And so that was a huge wake-up call. And you know what? It was exactly what I needed to do. It, it changed my life profoundly in a variety of ways. I'm and not, you're not in the Dominicans. I'm not in the Dominicans. I'm, but, in all honesty, that freed you up to be the head nacho maker at Taco Bell, right? <laughs> Which is a beautiful gift. Yes. Because you pile them on when you go to Sam's Taco Bell. It's yes. Nice. You know, it may nacho be... <laughs> Don't go down Don't. the na- nacho. They're nachos. Um, so, you know, so, so that, uh, that prayer... It just it speaks to the heart of this like this situation. It does, um, and really to the heart of any kind of obedience because we're not just talking about following a bishop, right? I think that's incredibly important ecclesiastically to see him as uh, as a superior in many ways as the father of the diocese, right? Yes, but at, but in the same way we can use this idea of trying to please God that that desire to please God if we have that desire to give ourselves over. Yes. It it really doesn't matter whether we decide to do this or that. Right. It's what matters is the desire to please God. And so um and it and we're not the ones that get to 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 say what God prefers in terms right. of like what action. Right. We, ours is only to 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 have that desire innate to please him. So whether we're talking about our boss at work, right? Whether we're talking about our boss at home, right? right? Whether it's our spouse or you know whatever saying I you need to do this, right? Uh, whatever, whoever that uh, legitimate authority in our life is. Yes. And we all have multiple legitimate authorities, right? Yes. Whoever that is, our desire to please God by being obedient to them. Now, I mean, obviously there's a difference if, if they're saying, you know what, Jeff, I want you to murder that man over there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a problem, right? I, I doubt any bishop's going to ask you know, you to do that. I doubt your wife. I doubt you know your boss at work's going to ask you. And if you're if they do, then you're in the wrong marriage or the wrong <laughs> job, right. right? Or the wrong church, right? And so the thing is, um, at this point, it's like seeing uh, this this hierarchy in your life wherever it is. Yes, and realizing that you're not on the top. Yeah, and that's again that's hard for people to to grasp. Um, that may temper some of the. Uh, some of the tempers <laughs> right. that we're seeing on, on social media, right? And people who are refusing to go to Mass. So obedience, there's a beautiful gift there. Humility is absolutely beautiful. Who is more humble and more obedient than the Blessed Virgin Mary? True. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother, Mother of God, God, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now and, and in the, the hour, hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes, 
or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.